And welcome back to the Word Encounter, episode 56. We left off in chapter 25 in 1 Samuel yesterday, so let's pick it up uh, in chapter 26 and continue on with David and Saul. And so <clears throat> some people came to Saul and said that David was hiding on a hill. And so Saul took 3,000 of his men and uh, went to this hill, and they camped out at the base of the hill. <clears throat> and so uh, it says in verse 5, immediately, David went to the place where Saul had camped. So some of his spies said, yeah, we know where Saul is. And it says, uh, he saw the place where Saul and Abner, son of Ner, the commander of his army, were laying down. Saul was laying inside the inner circle of the camp with the troops camped around him. So Saul's laying down in the middle. The troops are around him. They're all sleeping. Verse 7, um, that night, David and Abishah, uh, came to the troops. So David took one of his, his commanders, one of his men uh, with them, and they came to where Saul was uh, uh, camped out. And Saul was lying there asleep in the inner circle of the camp with his spear stuck in the ground by his head. And so Abishai uh, says, or Abishai, I should say, uh, says to David, come on, let me, let me run him through. Let me kill him so I'll get rid of your enemy. But, you know, as we've uh, seen from before, David's not down for this because this is the Lord's anointed. And so he does not want to kill Saul. And so David told him, don't destroy him, uh, for who can lift a hand against the Lord, Lord's anointed and be innocent? Said, so you can't kill the king and be innocent, then you'll be guilty. And it says in verse 11, however, because of the Lord, I will never lift my hand against uh, the Lord's anointed. Instead, take the spear and the water jug by his head and let's go. And so they went into the middle of the camp and they took the spear and Saul's water jug, and then they left. And the word says that no one saw them, no one knew, and no one woke up. They all remained asleep because of a deep sleep from the Lord came over them. So the Lord was protecting his mission. He put a deep sleep on the men. They went in, they grabbed the water jug and the spear, and they left. So they crossed over to the other side. They went on top of a mount, and then David shouted to them. In verse uh, 14, David shouted to the troops, and to Abner, aren't you going to answer, Abner? <laughs> so, you know, Abner gets startled. They wake up. He's kind of indignant at this point, you know. And he says, you know, <clears throat> who are you who calls the king, Abner asks. And so Abner's like, who is this? In verse 15, David called to Abner, you're a man, aren't you? You, uh, you in Israel, who in Israel is your equal? So why didn't you protect your Lord, the king, when one of the people came to destroy him? And so he's basically telling Abner, you haven't done your job. You haven't protected the king. I came in your camp and you didn't do anything. And so uh, David says, now look around you. Where are the king's spear and water jug uh, that were by his head? And so he's proven to Abner, I came in, I was there. In verse 17, Saul recognized David's voice and asked, is that your voice, my son, David? <laughs> Remember, Saul had asked David this before when he came and clipped off uh, the corner of his robe. It is my voice, my Lord and King, David said. Then he continued, why is my Lord pursuing his servant? What have I done? What crime have I committed? So again, we're playing this out again, the same sort of thing with the robe in the corner of the robe, now the spear and the jug. The same thing, David inquiring, why are you doing? What's up with you, Saul? You know, what's, what's happening here? And then we drop down to verse 21. Saul responded, I have sinned. Come back, my son, David. I will never harm you again because today you considered my life precious. I have been a fool. I have committed a grave error. Now, Saul has said this before. 
he said this exact same thing before. And so uh, if we go to verse uh, 25, it says, Saul uh, said to him, you are blessed, my son, David. You will certainly do great things and will also prevail. Then David went on his way and Saul returned home. And so Saul broke off pursuit, went back home. But David was still on the lamp because he knew he couldn't trust him. In chapter 27, verse 1, David said to himself, One of these days I'll be swept away by Saul. There is nothing better for me than to escape immediately to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up, yeah, then Saul will give up uh, searching for me everywhere in Israel, and I'll escape from him. So David set out with his 600 men and went over to Achish, uh, the king of Gath. So he went over to the king of Gath in order to essentially be a refugee, to hide out, so that Saul would stop pursuing him. <clears throat> and so that David and his men and their families were all in the, um, in the kingdom of Gath. And then we see in verse 4, it says, When it was reported to Saul that David had fled to Gath, he no longer searched for him. And so finally, Saul broke off pursuit, and he never pursued David again. And so... So David says uh, to the king of uh, to King Achish of Gath, he says, "Now look, if I found favor with you, you know, give me a territory so my men can can be there and and what." I remember David has a reputation. The Philistines know who this dude is, and so uh, but the king thinks that David is on the lamb from the Israelites, and so he's thinking I may have a prize here. I've got the famous David with me, and so David's asking for a land, and so it says in verse six that day Achish gave uh, Ziglag to him. And so the king gave him a ter the territory of Ziglag. And in verse 7, the length of time that David stayed with the Philistine, uh, that David stayed in the Philistine territory amounted to a year and four months. So he was there for almost a year and a half. And so on a regular basis from this base camp in Ziglag, David and his men went on raids. And so they went raiding territories and whatnot, taking plunder uh, from these territories. And it says uh, in verse 9, whenever David attacked the land, he did not leave a single person alive, either man or woman, but he took flocks, herds, and donkeys, camels, and clothing. He took everything else, but he killed everybody on these raids. And so the king knew he was going on these raids, and so he would ask David, David, where'd you go today? So David would tell him he went somewhere uh, uh, in the south country of Judah, and this, that, and the other. And so, <clears throat> so he was... You know, it essentially seems like he was keep, keeping the king entertained with his exploits. And we see in verse 11, David did not let a man or woman live to be brought to Gath, for he said, or they will inform on us and say, this is what David did. This was David's custom um, during the whole time he stayed in the Philistine territory. In verse 12, so Achish trusted David, thinking, since he has made himself repulsive to his people, Israel, he will be my servant forever. You see, David was telling the king that he was raiding these Israelite territories when he was actually raiding enemies of Israel. <laughs> so though he was raiding those territories, not, not Israelite territories. And so, but the king was thinking something else. So we go on to chapter 28. At that time, the Philistines gathered their military units into one army to fight against Israel. So Achish said to David, you know, of course, that you and your men must march out in the army, in, uh, in the army with me. So he's t telling David, we're about to fight your people, but you know you got to come fight with me. And so, and so David says, yeah, you know, and finally you'll get to see what I'm able to do. You know, so David's playing a game here. And, and so they go out um, in order to meet up with the Philistine uh, peoples or the Philistine army, I should say. And so 
if we drop down to verse 3 in chapter 28, it says, By this time Samuel had died, and all um, uh, Israel had mourned for him. And so, um, uh, so when Samuel had died, all the mediums and spiritists had been removed from the land. You see, and so there were no mediums and spiritists in the land. And so, uh, <clears throat> but when the Philistines had gathered to attack the Israelites, Saul became afraid. And so <clears throat> the Lord wasn't answering Saul. He was, he, was, he was trying to consult with the Lord, but the Lord didn't want anything to do with Saul. So Saul became afraid and he asked his people, get me a medium, find me a medium somewhere. <clears throat> and so his, uh, his servant replied, there is a woman in Endor who is a medium. And so what Saul did is he disguised himself and he went over to this woman's place and she didn't know who it was. And he says, you know, consult a spirit for me. And she's like, are you crazy? You know, we can't do this. Are you trying to trap me? Are you trying to get me killed or whatever? You know, Saul will come get me. He says, trust me, trust me. You know, as surely as the Lord is the Lord, you know, nothing's going to happen to you. And so uh, then it says in verse 11, she says, who is it that you want me to bring up for you? And Saul says, bring up Samuel for me. Verse 12, when the woman saw Samuel, she screamed. And then she asked Saul, why did you deceive me? You are Saul. In verse 13, but the king said to her, don't be afraid. Uh, what do you see? She said, I see a spirit form. I see a spirit form, I see a spirit form coming up uh, out of the earth, the woman answered. Verse 14, then Saul asked her, what does he look like? An old man is coming up, she replied. He's wearing a robe. Then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he knelt down low with his face to the ground and paid homage. Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up, Samuel asked Saul. I'm in serious trouble, replied Saul. The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has turned away from me. So I've called on you to tell me what I should do. Verse 16, Samuel answered, since the Lord has turned away from you and has become your enemy, why are you asking me? The Lord has done exactly what he said through me. The Lord has torn the kingship out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David. And so Samuel said, look, what, what do you do? Why are you calling me? I told you this was going to happen. What's your problem? <clears throat> and then he says in verse 19, the Lord will also hand uh, Israel over to the Philistines along with you. Tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me. Samuel was telling them, tomorrow you're going to be dead because you're going to be with me. And the Lord will hand Israel's army over to the Philistines. And so Saul becomes very distraught with this news. We drop down to chapter 29. It says the Philistines, uh, the Philistines brought all their military units together at Ephek. And so they came, all the units are together. And in verse 3, then the Philistine commanders asked, what are these Hebrews doing here? So they're asking King uh, uh, Achish, what are these Hebrews? What are these Israelites? We're, we're about to go fight Israel. Why are these here? And so Achish answered, he, 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 he told him about David, how David had lived with him in his territory for a year and a half, how he had trusted him, all the exploits he had done. But the Philistine commanders weren't having anything to do with that. And verse 4 says the Philistine commanders, however, were enraged with Achish. And so they were raised at the king. Uh, they were uh, enraged at the king because they're figuring we're going to go on the battle and these guys are going to turn on us. Are you crazy? Are you a fool? Get rid of them. And so, and so Achish tells David, you know, they don't want you here. You got to go back. And so then David says, what have I done? You know, what, we, we want to fight. What have I done? You know, he says, no, no, no. I know you, you're a good man, but they don't trust you or whatever. You got to go back. 
And so it says in verse 11, so David and his men got up early in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines, and the Philistines went up to Jezreel. So the Philistine army went up to fight. David and his men turned around and went back uh, to Ziglag where they came from. And so then uh, we go on to chapter 30. It says, David and his men arrived at Ziglag on the third day. The Amalekites, uh, oh, the Amalekites, I'm sorry, had raided the Najib and attacked and burned Ziglag. And so their base camp, when, when they were gone, they got raided. And then in verse 3, when David and his men arrived at the town, they found it burned. Their wives, sons, and daughters uh, had been kidnapped. And so the town is burned. All their people are gone. And, and David's men become enraged. And they want to stone and kill David because they figure it's his fault that they had gone away. And, and so they wanted to kill him. Uh, but David found strength in the Lord. And then he, 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 in verse 7, it says, David said to the priest Abiathar, um, bring me the ephod. And so Abiathar brought it to him, and David asked the Lord, should I pursue these raiders? Will I overtake them? The Lord replied to him, pursue them, for you will certainly overtake them and rescue the people. Now remember, David is in his habit of always consulting the Lord before he does anything. Lesson. <laughs> and so verse 9, David and his 600 men went, went with him. And so they came to um, uh, the Wadi Besor, and, and stayed, uh, where some stayed behind. Verse 10, David and 400 of his men continued to pursue while 200 stopped because they were too exhausted to cross the wadi. And so they came to a brook or river or whatever, and, and um, they had, he had 600 and 200 like, I can't go on anymore. So then 400 uh, kept, uh, stayed in pursuit. In verse 11, David and his men found an Egyptian in the country and brought him to David. Or I should say, David's men found an Egyptian in the country and brought him to David. And so they inquired of this Egyptian, essentially, who are you? Why are you here? You know, so he tells them I was a slave of the Amalekites and, and, and they left me because I got sick. And when I, so David says, well, do you know where they are? He says, yeah, I know where they are. I said, well, take us to him. <clears throat> he said, well, only if you promise you're not going to hurt me. He said, no, we're not going to hurt you. Just take us to him. And so in verse 16, uh, so the Egyptian led him and there were the Amalekites spread out over the entire area, eating, drinking, and celebrating. So they're, they're partying because they had successful raids, right? And so they're, they're not paying attention to anything. In verse 17, it says, David slaughtered them from twilight until the evening of the next day. And so <laughs> he just routed them. In verse 18, David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken. He also rescued his two wives. Nothing of theirs was missing from the youngest to the oldest, including the sons and daughters of all the plunder the Amalekites had taken. David got back everything. And so he got back everything that was stolen. And so, you know, again, David's in the habit of inquiring of the Lord and whatnot. And, and, and there's another lesson here, you know, things that have taken from our lives and whatnot. We commit ourselves to the Lord and whatnot. And there's a great probability that we will get back everything plus more. <clears throat> In verse 21, when David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to go with him and had been left at the wadi, they came out to meet him and to meet the troops with him. When David approached the men, he greeted them. Verse 22, but all the corrupt and worthless men among those who had gone with David argued, because they didn't go with us, we will not give any of the plunder we received or we recovered to them except for each man's wife and children. They may take them and go. 
And so these dudes were saying, look, they didn't come fight with us. They didn't do anything. We're not giving them nothing except what they previously, except the people that they previously uh, owned. In, in other words, except their families. All the plunder and, and whatnot. No, no, no. They ain't getting nothing. Now, to me, that sounds kind of reasonable, right? I mean, if you didn't go with us to acquire this stuff, why should we share with you? You know, but it says um, in verse 23, but David said, my brothers, you must not do this with what the Lord has given us. He protected us and handed over to us the raiders who came against us. Who can agree with your proposal? The share of the one who goes in the battle is to be the same as the share of the one who remains with the supplies. They will share equally. And this became law in Israel, basically, from that day forward. And so that, 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 that to me, that's extremely noble. But um, that's how David was in a lot of cases. In some cases, he wasn't. <laughs> and so in uh, chapter 31, it says, The Philistines fought against Israel, and Israel's men fled from them and were killed on Mount Gilboa. In verse 2, the Philistines uh, pursued Saul and his sons and killed his sons, Jonathan, uh, Abinadab, and Malkishua. In verse 3, when the battle intensified against Saul, the archers found him and severely wounded him. And so Saul knew that he was dying at this point. And then so he asked his armor bearer to run him through to kill him. But the armor bearer said, no, I, I can't do this. Then Saul took his sword and fell on it. In verse 5, when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell on his own sword and died with him. I guess that was the noble thing to do of the day. I don't, I don't know if I could have done that. But anyway, in verse 6, so on that day, Saul died together with his three sons, his armor bearer, and all his men. And so that is the end of Saul. And then in verse 8, we see that the next day the Philistines came back. They found Saul and his three sons. And so in verse 9, they cut off Saul's head, stripped off his armor, and sent messengers throughout the land of Philistines to spread the good news. And then in verse 10, it says, Then they put his armor in the temple of the... Um, Asterisk, you know, their God, and hung his body on the wall of Bethshan. And so that was like a, a degrading thing to, to hang a king on the wall for on display for people to see. And so the next day, the people of uh, Jabesh Gilead, some brave men went, they got Saul's body and brought it back to Israel. And then they burned his body and buried his bones. And that was the end of Saul. And that is also the end of the book of 1 Samuel. Tomorrow we'll pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 1. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.